are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Those of you who are still listening this time of year, I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill, looking to break down a pretty terrible Patriots game against the Dolphins. It's games like this, Rich Hill, where you kind of got to muster up the courage and strength and realize that win or lose, you are still a Patriots fan. We still have a job to do. But I'll tell you, buddy, this really put a damper on my holiday spirits. Oh, man, what a terrible way to finish his season. I mean, after starting the season so strongly, and just to see how they've collapsed down the stretch where they've lost to the other three division leaders in the AFC, watched them struggle against the Buffalo Bills, albeit in probably their best game of the season, just to see a oh, first-round bye slip away at home to the Miami Dolphins. This was the first time in Tom Brady's career that he has lost to the Miami Dolphins at home. The first time. And that is just, this is just, I mean, kind of just sums up the entire year, right? It is, this has been a, a year of, uh, of firsts for the Patriots in a negative way where they've not lived up to the expectations that we've asked of them. And it just leaves us wondering, what does that mean for the Patriots for the entire postseason if it might even just be a short one? I mean, look, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel like the Patriots were beating up on bad teams early and then they kind of became what they were once they met decent competition and they never quite turned the corner. Uh, they had a good game last week against the Bills, a good game, not a great game. And every team's capable of playing great once in a while. And it seems like the Patriots kind of are who they are in 2019. They have no offensive identity. Their defense I don't know. Yeah, their defense has been really good all season, but this past week against the Dolphins, they completely didn't even show up. Stephon Gilmore got smoked. They made zero defensive adjustments. Uh, the coaching staff, I think, made some atrocious play calls and decision-making and a complete lack of adjustments, a complete lack of confidence. Um, I don't even know where you want to start with this game, Rich. You want to talk about how crappy the offense was, how crappy the defense was, how crappy the coaching was, how crappy the game was. How crappy the weather was? Like, where do you want to start with this? Yeah, I mean, let's start with the offense. Let's start with the offense because, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll throw a bright spot out there. The running game looked pretty good, guys. Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead looked pretty okay. <laughs> 24 carries uh, combined between Michelle and Burkhead. Uh, they rumbled on the ground together for 122 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty solid production from your backfield, uh, albeit against the worst defense in the entire league with Miami Dolphins. And that's kind of the, the nicest thing I can say about this Patriots performance is that they were fine enough on the ground. And honestly, that's probably where they should lean moving forward because this passing attack is awful. Absolutely, absolutely, without question, terrible. The worst passing attack we've seen under Bill Belichick since at least 2006. Six. I mean, I, I would take the 2013 passing attack over this one because Tom Brady just looks out of it. He does not look like he cares as much anymore. Uh, that that pick six pass to Eric Rowe. Alec, what was going through your head when you saw that? Because that looked like the laziest throw I've ever seen. Yeah, it's funny. Like usually when Brady makes that, like, what the hell did he see there? What was he thinking? Throw. Usually there's a so there's like a defender in his face. It's off his back shoulder. There's a receiver in the vicinity and maybe like the linebacker undercut the route or he overthrew a little bit and the safety picked it off or, but like that was just like a, yeah, like kind of like a, a throw. It's almost like he was throwing the ball out of bounds 
in between Sony Michelle and Julian Edelman. <laughs> I don't know who he was going to. And Eric Rowe just caught it and ran right in. And it was just, yeah, I mean, again, Brady's had a couple of those this season. He's good for like one or two a year. Like, what were you thinking kind of throws? He's had multiple bad throws and bad decisions this season. It's really, really hard to look at this, his entire body of work over 2019 and say he wasn't significantly responsible for the offensive woes a lot of the time. Overthrows, underthrows, missing open guys, hearing footsteps. He's had some phenomenal throws. He's still Tom Brady. But he, yeah, he hasn't had a good year, and, and like that's okay. I'm not, I'm not lamenting. He, he's been fantastic. He's the best of all time. But he's had a lousy year, as you just said. The offense has had a lousy year. They've dealt with injuries and adversity, and they've never quite managed to get that, that chemistry that you need to make a deep postseason run. And they paid for it, and they paid for it today. And now they are playing on Wild Card Weekend for the first time this decade. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said earlier is that they've just failed to turn the corner. And I feel like if you look up and down the the receiving stats from this game, it kind of is emblematic of it. You know, the the top receiver that they had is Philip Dorsett, who had 50 yards on one catch. He had a couple drops. He had one that uh, was just poorly terribly overthrown by Tom Brady to open up that game but one catch for 50 yards that's your leading receiver and then number two is a Landon Roberts who is playing fullback who leaked out for a 38 yard touchdown (laughs) catch who honestly that was the best catch I've seen by a Patriots receiver because Brady also overthrew that one Roberts came down he turned around and ran towards the end zone without breaking his stride that was the most fluid move I've seen but from a Patriots receiver but then you have Muhammad Sanu and Nikhil Harry I mean you have a who's who at the top of players that are just simply not gelling in this offense. Philip Dorsett, he is what he is at this point. Roberts is a converted linebacker. Sanu is a midseason acquisition. Harry is a first rounder, but he was also a rookie who missed half the season with an injury. And then you have Julian Edelman, who is completely banged up and who, in my mind, is going to be the biggest negative uh, recipient of the impact for not having a bye week because he's clearly hurt. He's clearly not the same Julian Edelman as he was earlier in the season because of all the injuries he's been dealing with. And he absolutely would have benefited from that first round bye to continue to, to you know heal and get a little bit better. Alec, when you look at all of these receivers, what are your thoughts when they go into the postseason? Did anyone show any sparks against this Dolphins team over the last quarter of the season that you think could realistically emerge to help the team? I'll give you something I like and something I don't like to make it a little less negative or quell the negativity a little bit. I like when Nikhil Harry's becoming. I think he's very hard to tackle in open space. Uh, He had a nice back shoulder catch against the Dolphins. Uh, Tom Brady had him in the corner on a fade route, waiting for that fade route all season. He overthrew it, shockingly. Uh, But I think Nikhil Harry is is an asset that is developing. Now, can Brady and Nikhil Harry develop a rapport over the offseason next year? We'll see. But I think Nikhil Harry has had a nice upward trajectory. Um, as a receiver. So maybe he can really light it up in the postseason and, and take an extra step. We will soon see. Um, what I'd love to know on the back to the flip side is whether or not Mohamed Sanu knows where the first down marker is <laughs> and if he deliberately cuts all of his roots a yard short every single time he runs an out pattern. I, I just don't understand what it is about that guy and running um, four yards on third and five or six yards on third and seven to where he always gets stopped short of the sticks. I, I hate kind of harping on it because I've been so high on Sanu and I was so excited when I got him, but there's just nothing about what he brings to the table that gets me excited. And with Edelman hurt, as you said, and the team's doubling and bracketing Edelman, 
I, I'm, I'm just looking at how the team is going to compete and keep pace with a team like the Chiefs, should they make it there? Like the Ravens, should they make it there? They just don't have the offensive firepower. And I think like 28 points a game is like a major development. And I think you need to score at least 25 points a game to hang with Kansas City or Baltimore. Oh, minimum. I mean, you'll probably have to be able to score over 30, and I have zero confidence that the Patriots will be able to do that should they make it that far. I think against the Tennessee Titans, hitting in the mid-20s should be enough. And, I mean, you're right. I, I don't know if we can really trust too much out of Mohamed Sanu this year as such a late mid-season acquisition. I would have liked for him to be a little bit more involved with the offense at this point in time from a production standpoint. He's clearly being utilized as a run blocker, but he is, as you said, leaving a lot to be desired as a receiver, always coming up short of that first down marker. And I mean, in my mind, when they made that trade, best case scenario with Sanu is that he would be a Brandon LaFell or that he would be like a peak Chris Hogan from the, the standpoint of a production. No matter what, he was never going to live up to that second round pick uh, trade value that they sent away for him, him and just to see it not do anything this year makes it seem like they're getting even worse return on their value because I mean he's still under contract next year they'll still have the full off season but I, I mean I'm not too happy with the idea of trading away second round pick for the type of production that they've gotten from him so far but the the kind of the bright side it, that I can see within this offense and looking at the players that are actually producing Outside of Edelman, who's clearly banged up, you got to go with James White and Rex Burkhead. I mean, this has been the story from the very beginning. If yeah. you're going to pass the ball, I mean, I, I think running the ball with Sony and Rex has been successful when they've been given the opportunity, especially since the return of Isaiah Wynn. But if you're going to be passing the ball, you need to use those running backs. I mean, quite honestly, you can't expect too much out of Nikhil Harry at this point, or even Mohamed Sanu, Philip Dorsett. Like, those are the players that are going to give you your 30 to 40 yards per game. That is what we have seen. That is all we can expect from them. And if they give us anything more, that's fine. But the players that give us the highest volatility that can give us the opportunity to say, wow, they really flipped the field on this play or that they've really broken this one open. Those players that we've seen in recent weeks that have turned the tide in the Patriots offense favor have been James White and Rex Burkhead. Those are the players where you dump the ball off to them. They get their yards after the catch. And that has been primarily the only way the Patriots offense has been able to move down the field convert into points have any successful drives are getting those players involved julian edelman can come in on third down he can convert jacoby myers can have a play here or there but the ones that you really count on are james white and rex burkhead and if i'm the patriots i'm saying put both of them on the field literally every single play when they start facing the tennessee titans stress those linebackers because honestly i have no faith in any of the other receivers to really step up in crunch time yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, maybe they can just kind of pound the ball and run and run and run and control the clock and rely on a defense that up until Sunday was still pretty stellar. Uh, I don't know what happened. And, again, I don't want to put it all on the defense because I do really think there was just a horrendous, horrendous coaching job and a complete lack of adjustments when they saw the cover zero was getting picked apart by the quick slant. But I, I'd love to to hear your take, Rich, on what exactly the Dolphins did against a very aggressive Patriots front to basically pick them apart, score several times, and engineer a 75-yard game-winning drive late in the fourth quarter to knock the Patriots off the two-spot, because that is the most un thing I have seen in 
probably 15 or 16 years. So what happened there? I mean, it was exactly what you said is that they just didn't seem to make any sort of adjustments. They, they were getting picked apart by the slants, as you mentioned, and they just allowed that to happen for the entire game. I mean, there, there's we'll talk a little bit about the Patriots' decision to not do anything before the half as the biggest biggest head scratcher of a coaching decision of the entire day uh, next. But when looking at this Patriots defense, I mean, what the Dolphins did is what literally every successful offense has done to the Patriots. This is not a new technique. That's not a new approach. It's what we saw that the, you know, the Andy Reid tree has been able to do from an offensive perspective. I mean, we saw Doug Peterson do it in the Super Bowl. We've seen the Kansas City Chiefs do it over the most recent years. And this is just what we've seen, you know, the Miami Dolphins do under Brian Flores. We've seen the Lions do it under Matt Patricia. All of these different offshoots of the Belichick tree because they know how this defense works. And it's pretty simple. The defense works by saying, we're going to force you to lead eight, nine, ten play drives. And as a result of it, we are going to try and force you to convert three third downs. That is our hope. If we can try to force you to convert three third downs, the odds are in our favor that you'll have to punt. Because it's hard to lead long extended drives. If you look at third down conversion rates across the league, it's you know roughly 40% or so. And so the odds of complete converting like two third downs on a single drive is roughly, you know, 16%. And so if you try to force them into that third, third down, maybe they'll settle with a field goal. Maybe they'll, they'll have to punt. But the idea is the more third downs that they have to convert, the harder it is for the team to have a sustainable offense against the Patriots. And it usually works because teams get greedy. It usually works because opposing teams, you know, helmed by Ben Roethlisberger say, I'm going to chuck the ball down the field. I'm going to take these low percentage passes, get set back into third and long. Then the Patriots defense can sit back into coverage and have more favorable third down situations and third down sets that they can call. And so what we saw Ryan, Fats, Ryan Fitzpatrick and, you know, uh, Chad O'Shea and the rest of the Miami Dolphins offense do is say, we'll just take the easy yards. And that's what you have to do against this Patriots team. We're going to dump it off to the running backs. And Patrick Laird had four catches for 48 yards. We're going to drop it off to the slot receiver, Albert Wilson, five for 59. We're going to just have, you know, Devontae Parker use his length to get away from Stephon Gilmore and not get jammed at the line of scrimmage, that was a, a bizarre decision. If we saw that this was happening over and over and over again, that Devontae Parker just needed to get one step inside of Stephon Gilmore or one step outside, and then they would have the ball waiting in his hands. And the Patriots made no adjustments for it, but they would pick it up. They would get there, you know, 7, 8, 12 yards each drive or each play and lick their wounds and do it again. And they were very, very happy to do that time and time and time again. And so if you look at all of their their various scoring drives they're you know eight plays nine plays ten plays they they were happy to do it they accepted it and right now when the patriots have to play the tennessee titans in the the wild card weekend they got mike rabel they know exactly how to approach this patriots defense and that gives me a lot of concern for how opposing teams will face the patriots for the rest of the year so rich do you think the coaching staff did nothing to adjust from that those quick slants they did nothing to fix the issues that were plaguing them in the first half because there's nothing to adjust to I, I, I think that it seems kind of weird that Houston's always an answer to whatever's plaguing the Belichick defense in the first half. They go in the locker room and they figure it out. Uh, it just seems to me that they had no answer for the Miami Dolphins. And that's an absurd thing to say in 2019 to have no answer for the Miami Dolphins. And if it's the kind of thing where like you can either take what they give you and beat them or you don't, 
Um, yeah, I agree that the Titans are going to be a very tough out because Derrick Henry is running the ball very well. Ryan Tannehill's unstoppable right now, it seems. There's some pretty good young receivers. We'll talk more about the Dolphins, uh, the, the Titans, excuse me, in our, in our Thursday podcast. But it, it, it seems to me that this, this defense has been kind of figured out in a lot of ways. And if you're willing to kind of be patient and take the easy yards and the quick slants and, and the running back routes, then you're going to have success. And that is very concerning for sure, especially – due to some of the coaching decisions that were made, mostly inexplicable in my opinion, as you alluded to, the Patriots scoring 10 unanswered points, holding the Dolphins to a three and out with about a minute 40-something, 42 left on the clock and all three timeouts, opting to let the clock run down, uh, needing about 35 to 40 yards to get into field goal range and doubled it for the first time all season, and they opted not to do that. And the Gillette Stadium crowd booed, and this time I actually agree with the boo. What do you think they were thinking there? Was it a complete lack of faith in the offense? Was it no clue what to do? Did they not want to give the ball back to Ryan Fitzpatrick for a chance to score? What were they thinking there? Oh, a complete lack of confidence in the offense. There's nothing beyond that because uh, they just didn't believe that the Patriots' offense would be able to lead any sort of sustained drive, which in my mind, I mean, it's both fair in the sense that the Patriots' offense has been wildly unreliable, but also the previous two Patriots' drives uh, were a field goal and a touchdown. So what Bill Belichick said after the game is that, you know, if we had picked up a first down on that very, very first play after the punt, we would have called a timeout and we would have recalculated how about possibly kicking a field goal but we also let the clock run out prior to the punt because we didn't want to leave too much time on the clock for the Miami Dolphins who had all of their timeouts because they might be able to score again before the half and so the fact that they were nervous that the Dolphins might get the ball back in my mind is just complete uh, an indictment of the New England offense where they just had no confidence that they would be able to get 30 yards for you know to at least consider getting a field goal I mean you don't even have to lead a huge super long drive at that point they needed those points they the fact that they didn't even try for it is probably one of the more cowardly coaching decisions we've seen uh this year uh and definitely in recent memory by the patriots and it came back to bite them and honestly like the dolphins did what they needed to do to win the game against the new england patriots and the patriots they did not make the coaching adjustments the defense wilted under pressure in the fourth quarter they did not step up when they needed to the coaches did not make the adjustments to those slants as you mentioned they did not figure out a way to stop this Dolphins offense. And then the New England offense, I mean, with the pick six and just the just complete, just, I guess, like lack of production and success in the first and third quarters for much of the game just really sank their entire chance. And this was a full team effort to lose this game, to hand away a first round bye to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Alec, I don't know what more there is to say about it other than this was just the most disappointing finish to a Patriots season. Because uh, at least with 2015, you could say that there were just so many injuries um, both offense and defense across the board here there's some injuries on offense but I mean this offense and this Patriots team this offense hasn't looked good since week two week three it just never got off the ground to begin with no it's true and we're in a scenario right now where the good news about this is I'm going to end this podcast as the positives here are the positive Rich Hill uh, one, um, here we are lamenting this absolute lost season where they won the AFC East, and that's where we're at with the Patriots, right? A simple division title is completely useless in Patriots Nation. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed for that. Uh, two, in 2019, the Patriots are probably the third or fourth best team in the AFC. 
Um, and so it's kind of fitting that they don't deserve a first-round bye because the Chiefs are a better team than the Patriots. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs are the two best teams in the AFC, so things kind of unfolded as they should have, and the Patriots are right where they probably deserve to be, given just the way they played and the way the other teams have played in the, in the, in the conference. And then three, we get an extra football game. So now the Patriots get to play three <laughs> postseason games. It's supposed, to, it's supposed to, it's supposed to two, you know. So um, that's a good thing. We have to. We've always talked about how we have to milk every last second of the Tom Brady era. We get at least one more Tom Brady game. And now, if the Patriots are going to repeat as Super Bowl champions, they're going to have to play Wild Card Weekend, Divisional Round, and the AFC Championship. They're likely going to have to go on the road to Kansas City and to Baltimore. And what a storyline that would be if the Patriots beat the Chiefs in Kansas City and then beat the Ravens in Baltimore to go to Miami. So potentially this loss is setting up an absolutely amazing postseason narrative, assuming Rich Hill they take care of business like the Titans next week, which if they played it today, probably not. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll be breaking down that Titans game on our Thursday podcast. Uh, this has been the end of the regular season for the New England Patriots, for patspulpit.com, for myself and Alec. Uh, I mean, we'll be breaking down, as I said, the game later on this week. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on the 2019 regular season of the NFL? Let's just pretend this whole thing never happened and Ron to Tennessee. Oh, absolutely. I think that is a perfect, perfect approach. It's a whole new season. It's a win or go home. Uh, they have one game at home. I know that hasn't meant that much in recent weeks, uh, but hopefully they'll get back in the saddle. And you know what? Maybe they were the Patriots. I mean, clearly they didn't want to lose this game, but they clearly have been keeping Julian Edelman in bubble wrap. So maybe he'll be one week closer to healthy and the Patriots will have enough firepower to do what needs to be done to get past the Tennessee Titans. We'll break down that game later. Alec, until next time, you have a good one. See you, bud. Later, man. Later, man.